All right, welcome to the live edition of the Casual Shooters podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. Not doing the normal uh, entry like I would regularly do um, because tonight's a little different. So with that, tonight's episode, special episode, whatever you want to call it, is really a talk with Steve Moneypenny about his candidacy, candidacy for USPSA president. So with that, how you doing, Steve? I'm doing great. Just keeping busy. Just got off the range, mowed it off this evening, uh, hoping to get some matches in the next uh, few weeks there. And just uh, getting spun up for the season. It seems like uh, the nicer the weather gets, the busier everything gets. Okay. Now, which range is that? Uh, it's uh, the Owlsers Practical Shooters, which is on uh, my family farm. Oh, okay. Nice. We are USPSA and uh, Steel Challenge affiliated. We don't pull a whole lot of uh, people for some reason. Uh, the reason being there's not a whole lot of people to pull. <laughs> um, but we try to get at least a Steel Challenge or a USPSA match a month. And through the summer months, we try to get one of each. All right. Now, it's been a year. Had you on twice last February. Yeah. Once by yourself. So if anybody wanted to go in and listen to that, that's episode 72. And then we had all five of you on February 24th. You can also find that on our YouTube page under the live section um, where we had basically a presidential debate with all five candidates. Um, so in the year and two months time, what have you been up to? Uh, well, uh, I ran hard last spring for president. I went out, um, the biggest thing last year was making sure of what had changed, how things were going. Um, as some folks know, I was off the national scene for a while. So I shot multi-gun nationals, the world speed shooting championship, uh, limited 10 nationals, um, area eight steel, uh, the Buckeye blast, a number of other matches, shot a lot of things up through, uh, midsummer, um, then around late August, both of my parents who are my next door neighbors also, uh, got COVID and ended up in the hospital for about a month on that, uh, off and on with both of them. And then getting them basically rehabbed through most of the, most of, uh, March and in the, or not March, most of the month through October and in the, in the November, uh, then, you know, all the winter stuff come along. I'm still working my same day job. I've picked up a few other little things that I do on the side. I started teaching, uh, I just recently got certified to teach Maryland's uh, concealed carry permits. Um, and I put a renewed effort into my business and the range so that I can have more and bigger and better matches. Um, USPSA president or not, I want to make the practical shooting sports in West Virginia, where we have like the most per capita gun owners out there. A, I shouldn't, I shouldn't make that claim, but it seems like everybody here either owns a gun. They grew up with it. They've taken their hunter's safety course, all that stuff. Um, we are constitutional carry now. So the only time I really teach concealed carry classes are for people wanting reciprocity. And I use, I kind of use that as a, also a, you know, a podium to springboard. Hey, we do competition shooting. If you want to get better with your guns, uh, hang out with like-minded people. 
you can get into that. So I, I got some renewed interest over the winter in that from some members of our community and fellow shooters. So I'm pushing a little bit harder on that this year. So uh, some of the major match schedule will suffer. Um, and boy, it's expensive to, to travel. With the, with the gas prices jumped last summer and then all of the uh, other inflation and stuff. I, Food, gas, all of it. Yeah. So I mean, that's been pretty much me up until now, just uh, keep my nose to the grindstone. Okay. Uh, one, one thing that did happen that's changing some of the stuff I do a little bit is February, I, or the first part of February, I was diagnosed as diabetic. Uh, I'd had high triglycerides and stuff for a few years, but I went to my doctor and he said, hey, your sugar is like almost 400. Uh, Ooh. That's they did there. I'm like, uh, uh, no wonder I didn't feel good. Um, yeah, yeah so, that'll do it. <laughs> so that was like a day or two before Valentine's Day. So uh, I watched my boss at work. Uh, get sick and die of diabetes. My mother is diabetic. Uh, my grandmother died of that. But my boss at work, who I was with every single day in the last couple of years, I, I was one of, I was his driver also. Uh, it really hit home. And I'm like, I don't want that to happen to me. I've been, you know, as people know, it's easy to see I'm kind of fat. Um, I like my food a lot. And I put off exercise at times. The shooting was good, getting me back into sh into some type of shape last year, but it got a little slacked over the fall and winter. So I'm working out about eight times a week now and not eating the fun stuff. Um, lost about 30 pounds, but I'm, I've managed to stay off of medication and got rid of the blood pressure medication. So um, had, had, had a major life change there. Uh, so your sugar level has come down too then? Yeah, I'm um, I'm about 170 to 190 after a meal. Um, in the mornings, I'm around 110 to 130. Usually, it's, it's been under 120 for the past two or three weeks. Um, okay, so that's good. I, I'm I'm very thankful and feel very blessed about that part of it. Okay, yeah, good. That's much better than the uh, almost 400. That's pretty bad. All right, so how has your shooting life been in the last year um it's been okay i'm still dry firing uh you know i still teach i still carry every day um been playing with a few different things as, as the market allows um definitely played with flashlights a lot um the whole limited optics thing i was on the fence about that that was a hot topic last year it's not such a hot topic this year yeah uh, well yes and no i think it'll become a hot topic <laughs> yes but it'll come back up again next year, the it beginning will. of the year. And I, I think that the data and the numbers that we're seeing now, I think, was it Dragon's Cup that had like 220 some odd production shooter or not production, carry optic shooters? Yeah. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens to those numbers. Um, full disclosure, I threw the Magwell back on my uh, 320 that I use for carry optics. Okay. Um, because I... I'm not as good as I once was, and my magazine sometimes hit the side of my gun, so it's, it's saving me a grip module. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I'm trying to remember right offhand how many. Um, here we there go. Were three big dragons this year. That's. I mean, it's just had a crazy number of those compared to. Um, All right, so. Yeah. 
I'll do the match breakdown. So this will be how many people registered, not necessarily how many people actually shot. But there were, yeah, 222 shooters and carry optics. 23 of them were GMs. There's the and, heat. And then you had another 45 master class. So you had 68 master class and above shooters shooting carry optics. There were more carry optics GMs than open and limited GMs combined. Mm -hmm. So you would have to add open, limited, and production to equal carry optics. If you add revolver, you end up with one more GM in the rest. <laughs> Not counting PCC, okay, but pistol yeah. shooters. There was only one. All the other divisions combined, there was one more GM than in carry optics alone. And 200, what was there, 470 or something registered shooters? I think it was like 467. I can add the um, major and minor together real quick. Yeah, three, 477. Yeah. So we're almost half of the people shot that. And if Four, you figure out, you know. 47%. Yeah. So that is, that's a massive statement right there that people want to shoot dot guns um and they do. playing devil's advocate i see both sides of it um as a concealed carry instructor i had a guy pull an open gun out of an appendix rig with a 20 round mag and i'm sitting there going <laughs> you had a pot belly dude you know because <laughs> you know we're, we're constitutional carry here so a lot of the people that come to my class um, my, I don't do the whole, you have to show up unloaded thing for, for class. Cause I ask, I said, we're doing, have you carried a gun before? Do you usually carry a gun? And they're like, yes. I'm like, okay, everybody in the class, um, you know, we're, we'll cover firearm safety. If you have a gun that's live, you don't pull it out. You leave it holstered. Um, I'm fine being around with, around people with loaded guns as long as they leave them in the holster. So, uh, we get to the range and I get up the target and talk, do, do my little talk about shooting and I kind of look around and they're like, Go get your gun. And because I do have a, uh, a 22 there that I have on a table. He's like, oh, I've got it. Pulls up his shirt and pulls out a 320, the 20-round mag in it, or 22-round mag. And I'm like, he had, he did have like a little carry magwell on it instead of the, the big flared one. Um, but I'm like, well, you know, some people's frames hide guns really well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've also been to a USPSA match where uh, – this dude comes to the line, kind of a stocky guy with a, a sweatshirt on. And I thought he was watching the match. You know, he had ear protection. He had, like, cheap Walmart eye protection on. Um, and fluffy ears that weren't magnified or anything. So I thought he was just there watching the match. He walks up. They call his name. He walks up to the line. And they're like, make ready. And he pulls up his shirt, pulls out his gun, loads it. And I'm like, Cause this was this was right after they allowed appendix carry. And I'm like, that's awesome. I love to see people using their carry gear, training with it, seeing where the flaw is going to be. So I can and, see. And, and really I think, I off. think level one matches is definitely where that is going to be done. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. I've seen, we've had, we've been blessed, I guess you would say to have all, all of our police officers come. There's one guy. Uh, Good evening, two, Chris. There's one guy that shoots in Putnam County that he comes on duty because we're in his city. It's in his bailiwick. If he's not on calls, he will come and shoot the match in his duty gear, literally in his nice. cruiser in uniform. Awesome. And I think that's absolutely awesome. That's that's 
that is the idea of USPSA and IPSC from the beginning. All right. Now, we got into it a little bit with limited optics. Um, we talked a little bit beforehand about how things have been going. Um, but let's start right now with your candidacy stuff. Um, you did, as we said, you ran last year. You were doing a bunch of live videos. You were going to matches, talking to people and stuff like that. Um, now, what what is driving you to run again? I got a ton of positive feedback from almost everybody I met at the matches. Um, I actually kind of made the joke to my fiance. The reason I didn't win the presidency is because I didn't get to see enough people. And, you know, maybe it would go downhill at some point where I started seeing other people. But uh, everything that I, I talked to people about, they were very agreeable. Um, they they want to see their sport ran as a grassroots sport. They want they want the organization doing things to help the local clubs. Yes, we put on nationals, um, but a lot of the, the smaller clubs and stuff, I shouldn't even say smaller, a lot of the club level and even section level folks feel that they are the ones that are, are supporting and propping up the big matches like nationals and the area matches, which they really are. And they, I've had a number of them ask, what is USPSA doing for me? So I give them the... Uh, the, you know the response that headquarters gives when you asks when you at when you ask them what you know what is USPSA doing for me? Um, but there's a few things like I I'd really love to see a bigger better club program manual, some marketing stuff, and I will say that a lot of the things that I had wanted to do and I still want to do, but have they've already been implemented? For instance, we now have a steel challenge committee. Um, a, mm -hmm. an entire committee of themselves to run Steel Challenge. Um, what they do is, you know, the board has oversight over everything, and the president's a member of every committee by de facto. So we also have a multi-gun committee, which happens to have the guy that is running um, nationals and a few other folks that are multi-gun specific shooters that also enjoy USPSA uh, going to having meetings, doing things to bring recommendations to the board. So by having a, a committee presence on that, it takes a lot of pressure off of the area directors. Um, there's only so many hats a person can wear. The more we can spread out the workload, the more work we can all get done. So that's been, been one of the biggest things that I feel that USPSA has been doing since then to help out. And I want to help continue that. Uh, Real quick, Steve. That, yeah. Um, since you're talking steel challenge, uh, <laughs> a year ago we I asked you what you thought about the um, stages for steel <laughs> challenge, and you were like, you thought they were good. Everybody seems to be happy. Do you still feel the same way with that? Everything that I've gotten talking to the steel challenge people is don't screw up our sport. Okay. So. I'm going to believe them. I'm going to believe them. <laughs> so leave uh, it alone. In my opinion, leave it alone for all major matches. There's already a provisional thing, which I use in my steel challenge match. Um, I have a plate rack. I knock down one of the plates. Um, I just painted a different color and that's a stage. Um, there are a bunch of old steel challenge stages, which are not world record stages. In all honesty, they have absolutely no business being in the world speed shooting championship. They are insanely fast. Like, Double Trouble 
is a 18 by 24 with a 10 or 12 inch head. So the targets are set up with one of them in front of the other. So, you know, you've got kind of a body and a head to it. And it's two to the body, one to the head as fast as you can do it. I'm going to tell you, these kids are blinding fast. <laughs> when, I, when I say kids, I mean the, 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 the teenagers. You know, they're doing sub-second because we're, we're, you know, talking about doing this with a, a PCC or a 22 carbine or 22 pistol. There's no draw. So we're talking about times of like right. quick um, there's uh, one that's got two plates on one plate on either side and a, a 18 by 24 in the middle. Um, it's like three shots. So all these stages are something you can do on a, a level a level one match. Um, you can throw anything you want out there as long as you're doing it under that auspice of a level one match and call it a steel challenge stage. Um, but obviously those don't those don't get sent in as classifiers, and I don't think they really have a place at as a classifier because it gives, it gives people the opportunity to just set up something that they think is fun. And it, it, in my opinion, to me as a shooter, it stagnates shooting the same eight stages all the time. I love it. It's a superb challenge, but I like seeing a different stage here every now and then. Yeah. Um, it is the exact same thing. Every match you go to. Yeah. At, now, at the same time that allows a level of, competency shooting that specific stage that is not available in uspsa yeah now let me let me ask you a question um did you see the side match at carry optics nationals last year that isaac lockwood won i was not there but i have seen the videos and my oh okay I so, a couple times, so i was glad i could replay it so why not do something like you were talking about set up just a super fast side match at world speed shoot i think if uh if people want to do that if there's available bays i think it's awesome um so one of the things that i was uh i was i was gung-ho on is the history of the sport and I, i'm a big historian myself i like to know you know like one of my favorite heroes is george washington i like to know the things that that happened. And when I travel, I, I usually end up reading more about the place after I've been there or before I go, you know, just learning all the neat little nuances. So the funny part about that is, is that's how the original steel challenges were. Uh, back in the mid to late eighties, they would have a side a stage side stage that was sponsored by a company. Uh, a couple specific stories that folks, uh, one of them being Jerry Micklick that told me, He's like, I knew what time I had to shoot this stage in. I don't know if it was a plate rack or something of similar. But I knew what time I had to shoot it in, so I walked up and put $100 on the table. If you, if you heard Jerry talk. And then I just shot it at that pace till I hit all the targets. And out of that, you get the worn-out gun that they used to do this with. <laughs> if you win that side, that side stage. Um, there, there were times when Benelli did a shotgun stage where whoever wins the side shoot wins the stage gun. Um, hey, I didn't know we were bringing pets. This is my horse. <laughs> um, One of them. He's the small so, horse. So, yeah, I, I feel that side stages, if, uh, if we can have them there, have a, a perfect place in there. Gives people some things to do while they're waiting. And it adds a, a whole new level of challenge. Um, I'll throw another cute one out there. Bob Vogel and I, when we were children, I posted one of the pictures of our, 
I joke about children, but we were like 22, 23. Um, we shot a side stage. And if you get DQ'd at a side stage, do you get DQ'd from the match? It's a good question. The answer to that is yes. That, That's I what I thought. A lot of them went down. <laughs> so um, as it turns out, the holster Bob was using um, during the rules of the time at IDPA weren't quite legal because it was just, he's very skinny. I would have been fine with that holster. Uh, because I've never been skinny, <laughs> but Bob was not. And they come up and they're like, uh, that doesn't fit. Uh, well, excuse me? The, the gun's too far from you. And then they realized, and then the question came, is that the same holster you've been using for the whole match? Uh-oh. So, um, Bob didn't win that match. My joke, my joke to win a match is you have to finish the match, don't get DQ'd. We had already, we were done. We we were just waiting for awards and shooting a side stage. So that's that's the one bad thing I see about side stages. Um, but if we could move that to another range and call it a different match of some sort, uh, I think that would be fixable. That would be something to discuss with the NORI, or actually just NORI in general. Right, and and I don't know that. The side match was completely separate of nationals. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't part of the match. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was put on by a company. It was completely separate. So and, I, and don't, I, think, I don't think it And there was no movement. Yeah. Well, scoop draws are dangerous in themselves. Sorry, Isaac, if you're listening to this. Your scoop draw is safe, but it's not safe for all of us. No, uh, but I, I mean, how many thousands of reps has he done with that, you know? A lot. Yeah. I've tried it, and I've launched enough guns, and I broke an optic on an open gun. <laughs> That's like a three hundred dollar oops. Yeah, so, it was dry, dry fire. I did not throw my loaded gun, um, but thankfully, <laughs> so uh, I, I gave up on the scoop draw at that point. Uh, some other guys like uh, Mason and Isaac are both so fast with it; it makes me think I should try that. But I won't. I probably won't in the match. Yeah, it's going to take a lot of practice. Yeah. Now, um, is there a certain platform that you're running on? Um, just make everything better. I, I think that a, a constant and consistent professional approach to bettering our sport is what's going to make it succeed and flourish in the future. Um, for one, I pledge to act professionally. Um, that means, you know, not hanging out, swearing on the range, doing anything that anyone would consider something they don't want their kid at a G-rated movie being. And I feel that is one of those examples that can be set. You know, if you're hanging out with your buddies, I, I've, I've done a lot of work with me. I, I work in a dispatch center. Um, the F word is literally an, a noun, an adjective, a verb, and everything else there and in between with the ladies that work there. Um so it, it comes it comes from the, the military and police background, as I'm sure you know, in the fire departments. Yeah. There's a lot of colorful language. I don't feel that that has such a place on our ranges, and I feel that's, that that's off-putting to a number of people. I've actually been told that by a few people. Um, but I will behave in public, whether I'm at the range, hanging out after the range or whatever, to the best professional ability that I can. That, that's a pledge that I'll make. 
um, to, to, for the people of USPSA, you know, and the voters is, and the people of USPSA and voters are two different people. It seems like <clears throat> because not a whole lot of people are voting. Um, I, I hope yeah. to get more people involved in that, um, with some outreaches and stuff this year. Uh, you know, just to try to get people talking about, you know, what's going on in our sport, what they want to see. Um, All right. The next big part of my platform is nationals, bigger, better. I'm not going to say more, um, because I don't want there to be necessarily more nationals, but I want, I want nationals to be a spectacle. I want it to be something that people are proud to go to, whether it's making the match a little harder, um, having more events right now we have the, the gathering, um, that is either happening very soon or just happened, uh, that is put on by Palmetto state armory and having the nationals at a range that has something like that at the same time, I think is only going to benefit our sport. It gets all the pro shooters, all the writers, all the bloggers, everybody in one place at one time where they can shake hands, get their face out there and, you know, showcase our sport because it seems like everybody that's in this sport didn't know about it until surprise. Here's USPSA. Everybody on the planet knows what football and NASCAR is. We got they more sure people do. talking about it. Maybe we would be able to have events on their level. Now, what was this match called? It's a, it's the gathering. It's actually not a match. Uh, USPSA and Steel Champions oh, okay. participated in it last year. Um, it was at Clinton House, South Carolina in late April last year. I don't know when it is this year. Um, but that is something that, that like I said, USPSA sent people to, we participated in it. And the folks that were there, I feel also greatly benefited from that. You know, the people that attended, cause this is basically uh, just a four attendees. So they can come and if you want to try out Palmetto State Armory's new AKB, hey, right here it is. And here's some ammo provided to you by Federal Premium. Um, here, shoot this steel challenge stage with it. This is cool, I like it. Well. You know, since you're since you're here, you like this. Uh, we actually have a whole sport based on these a few stages, just like this. So, uh, from what I heard, I know Jake was there. At least I think Jake was there. I know he talked about it. Um, okay. Uh, then, because it was right before uh, Multi Gun Nationals last year, it was like the weekend before, two weekends before, or something like that. Yeah, it was June. I, it looks like June eighth of last year, around that time frame. Hmm. Maybe Somewhere like, right around being a lot of uh, a lot of brass from a machine gun on my on my bay. <laughs> oh no! Uh, you know what? No, I'm 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 incorrect. The 2022 gathering took place March 18th to 20th in Clinton, South Carolina, okay. and April 1st through the third. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, two weeks two weeks yeah. later. Yeah, because there was there was uh seven six two by 39 brass like in piles on my bay i'm like what's all this doing here well, i shouldn't say now casings before I, I understand what you want to do with nationals but how does that fit in with the financials of the last few years of uspsa so and i, I i'm not when i say this i am not pointing fingers i'm not slighting anyone at this uh there's a few statements that may be kind of pointed 
when I started shooting nationals about 2004 or five, it was $300 or $325 to shoot nationals. Do you know how much nationals are this year? Same price. said 325. Yep. 20-ish years ago. We're almost. Right. So, uh, I can tell you how much it would cost to shoot a section then too. It was 80 or $90. It's 180 or $90 now. Right. The, all the other prices have gone up. Right. So, uh, the hotel prices have went up. The food prices have went up. Uh, every single thing costs more now. And I'm, I realize it is our duty to put on nationals, but it's also not our duty to lose money on each of the nationals. Um, so we need to come up with a, a study to you know, see how much nationals should cost. What things can we do to offset the cost of nationals? Uh, I do know that while Mike Foley was president that we worked, and I'm not saying the people that are there now aren't doing this, um, but I'm saying that with more people and more time, we can do more things, and I will be working very hard towards that. Um, we worked with Polk County to get uh, the RO's hotel rooms, I think, were almost written off. They were very cheap down there, and that was in Florida at the frostproof range. And there are things like that. I know personally, I work with our county commission very closely here and they'll do a five or $10,000 grant for that, that level of infer of, uh, of people brought into our area. You know, we're talking about a weekend's worth or a whole week's worth of, let's, let's just use Dragon's Cup for an example, 477 people for a week. That's a lot of motel rooms. And, uh, our county gets 12 or 11.5%, I think, of those. So, a lot of, more math than I can do in my head right now, but they make a pretty decent chunk of change when you when you factor in just the occupancy tax of the hotel rooms. Um, okay. So, there are things that you can get the local municipalities to do. Um, I know there's some places in Kentucky, I don't know if there are ranges there, that do a lot to bring people to their area. So work, working with, with things like that politically, that will help to, to defer the cost of nationals. Um, I hate to say this, and I'm not a give us more money, give us more money thing, but there are some things where the price is just going to have to go up. I don't want that, but I also can remember the last time dues went up. They went up from 35 to $40. I think it was 2003 or four. It gets fuzzy, you know, 20 years ago. Um, but I was a member then, and it made me mad. And in a couple of years, I didn't notice it. Um, I'd like to defer that as long as possible, but I do feel that we need a multi-year budget in place um, with reviews so that we can we can plan for that. And I know there are guys working on this. Um, I want to be as transparent as possible to folks. Okay, hold hold on, Steve. I got to ask you how <laughs> how do you know there are people working on that uh, because on a multi-year budget. Well, <clears throat> I, I've had conversations with a few different area directors. My area director, Rick Steele, we've had a couple of conversations here and there um, about, you know, having a budget for the future. And I can't picture, with the conversations that we have had, I can't picture them not looking forward in the future to see where it's going to be. Now, there, there's been so much turmoil, right, in the recent past that I think all of that the mental capacity has been put into trying to figure out what the heck's going on. Okay. Um, but well, I know we, we don't have a budget right now. That is something that 
as president, I'm not sure how much control I will have over. Um, as those those rules have changed, and as the people that are following this closely know that they just voted to reduce the 2024 president's salary from 66000 to 50000 Yeah, I don't know if you knew that or not. Yes, uh, I, I try to keep my ear close to the ground. And I, I luckily okay. I have quite a few friendly constituents that say, hey, did you hear about this? Because I think mainly the reason they do it is to see if they can get one up on me. Um, so at the same time, you know, it's, it's a competitive, <laughs> it's a competitive endeavor here, you know, um, or did you hear this or did you hear that? I'm like, no, where'd you hear that? Um, so luck, luckily I think I, I stay pretty up on current events with that. Um, not anything inside that's not public, um, mainly because I don't want to repeat something that's going to get myself or other people in trouble. And I think that's another important part kind of segueing into that is the transparency that USPSA either has or does not have. Um, it's apparent that things are getting leaked out of board meetings uh, before the minutes come out, before any of that stuff comes out. Um, I think there's two ways to seal a leak. Either you plug it or you open the dam. So if, if everything's going to be out of the board meeting 20 minutes later for five people to put on Instagram or Facebook, let's televise it old word, so, you know. Right. Well, I mean, legally, I don't know that. I mean, look, there are certain things that have to be done in executive session. If there's an employee issue, you know, private, right. Privacy issues have to be controlled, but everything else can be screened. So mm -hmm. are you saying you are a proponent of yeah. streaming all meetings? Yes. I, I, okay. will that I am in favor of that. And if I am president, I will ask for a motion for that. Um, there are things that have to happen. Um, I think we could do that. We could organize the agenda so that we don't waste people's time that want to, you know, watch the meeting. So uh, what I'm saying is, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, if we're going to go into executive session, um, say, look, this is how long we're going to be in executive session, or we'll move that to the end of the meeting and say, okay. You're, if you're going to stay on this live stream, you're going to watch this poster for the next hour. We have to go into executive session. Thank you. You know. Yeah, um, and that's what you do. That's yeah. you just change the screen to something else. We'll be back, and the screen says, you know, in executive session, whatever, with a timer. Exactly. Like they could count so, up if we don't know how long we're going to be, or if we've promised when we'll be back. It can go that way. Um, I I don't I don't know how many meetings you've been part of, but I've been a part. See, I'm also the floodplain manager, so I deal with FEMA-type stuff also. Right. So I've been privy to a lot of meetings, especially in the last two years, that, you know, that's the reason I feel like I'm natural at this, is I've been on so many Zoom calls, and, you know, make sure your camera's turned off when you pick your nose, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, check your background, make sure that uh, you don't have the entire you know, next week's plan written on the board behind you. So everybody else sees it, um, stuff like that. So I've, I've had a lot of experience with those type of meetings and being broadcast and knowing it's recorded. So I, I would be a big proponent of that. Now, will I be able to say for sure that I can do that? I don't make promises. I can't keep, there's gotta be at least four other votes that state that, um, uh, so let me ask you this, Steve, because when 
when we were talking beforehand, we were talking how everything seems to have started to quiet down and then everything erupted again. Mm-hmm. Um, with everything since the Mike Foley uh, removal till now, what do you see as the number one? And look, you are a board member if you get elected. Whomever gets elected as president is a board member and the chairman of the board literally, uh, what do you feel is the number one pressing priority? Or give me your top three priorities for USPSA. Let's do that. Uh, my top three are just instill a enough transparency to create a level of confidence in our membership that we're doing the best that we can do. If we're not, they have we have elections. That's what that process is there for. Um, <clears throat> making sure that we dot our I's and, and cross our T's. Um, hopefully, you know, be sure of everything that we're doing. Um, I think that this thing with our current president was something that was kind of an unforeseen circumstance in the future when they made that um, ruling. Uh, you know, whatever happened, I don't know. I've read all the speculation everybody else has. I'm not, I'm not trying someone here by media. But let's just hypothetically say that <clears throat> Yemen forgot to renew his RO status. Because I've done that in the past. Why do you think I wasn't an RO for many years? I just forgot about it. I procrastinated it. And then the last minute, it, oops. Um, that would remove them from the presidency or area directorship also. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that was one of the unforeseen Thing. They tried to do something good, but that was something that was unforeseen that happened. Uh, obviously, I see a change in the bylaws that are going to quickly reverse that, you know, so that, that that's not something hanging over the board's head. Um, All right. So we have transparency and dot I's and cross T's. What's your third yeah. one? Uh, my third one is bigger, better nationals. Uh, okay. It really, it really breaks my heart. Uh, Marco's doing an amazing job with Dragon's Cup. And I throw a kudos out there to every match director that's putting together a good match. I know how hard it is. I'm a, a local match director, too. I work with our state uh, for our multi-gun match for the state. I've helped area directors um, back when Kyle was doing it and seeing all the stuff that he did. That was Kyle Ferris. He was our Area 5 director for a while. Um, I've worked pretty close when back when he was doing the Buckeye Blast. I see how much work goes. I know how much work goes into it. My hat's off to all of them. But the sentiment that makes me cry is this match was better than nationals. You know, we should have a, a team doing this for nationals. Um, and whether we need more people on that team or however it is, it should be the ma- these matches are as good as nationals, not everybody saying, well, this is the match or whatever. Um, I saw that quite a bit, too. Yeah. So I, I want to I want to make our national. I don't want to take anything from them. I want to use what they're doing, and hey man, if they're doing a, if they're doing a better job at nationals, let's have them put on a nationals. Okay. Um, so yeah. so as president, that's like your one of your primary jobs. Yes. Nationals. Yes. So are you saying you would recruit more people to help to make the nationals the stages? Excuse me. I'm not even talking about the production portion of it, just the stage portion. You would 
recruit more people, maybe different people in order to make those stages grand? Yes. Okay. And, I, and not only that, I mean, this isn't an instant process. You know, you elect Steve Moneypenny, next month we're going to have an awesome nationals. This is, right. this is a multi-year process. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, You'd be the magic man if, if that happened that oh, way. Man, if, if I could do that, there wouldn't be an election. You'd be a lifetime president. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the biggest thing I see with that is building upon that. And since we move nationals around, it does make things harder. But I want to see the, like I said, and this is kind of a, a smart aleck way of saying it, but I want to see nationals be a spectacle. I want to see it be the match that everybody wants to go to. Um, we've now, both been now, a couple, go ahead. If, if I may, Steve, um, I get it. I think it's easier for something like carry optics nationals. Like we were just talking, there's 513 people registered to shoot carry optics nationals. When you have that much of a turnout, you know, there's obviously more money involved. You're going to have more sponsors. There's going to be more everything. It makes it a little bit easier. But the sign behind you, I just learned recently, Multigun Nationals is their number one loser. They lost somewhere in the neighborhood of $130,000 with Multigun Nationals. I think it was closer to about thirty-five or 40000 My source was pretty solid. Okay. Uh, well, being, uh, so, being a person that both shot and worked that match, I don't think that much money was spent. This was a board member telling me that. Who was around, uh, who was a board member during that time. So I, I, either way, but he was saying that was their number one loser to where they've decided to farm uh, it out. I absolutely agree that that, I mean, I, we're, we can argue numbers all day. It doesn't matter. The, the actual number itself doesn't necessarily matter so much as the fact that the match was less than half full. That's okay. the biggest thing that loses money on matches is not having enough people. I, I um, totally agree. I, I don't know if it, I, know, I, I think that it was a lot of timing because there were people that at that match with me that says, well, next week I'll be in Texas for the Texas multi-gun match. Well, you know, if you're in Texas and you got nationals across the country, or if you're in Utah and you got nationals that's across the country, and a lot of the people that came to this mat that match, which I was there, I talked to everybody, um, that I, everybody that I could, I don't know, there might have been ten people that I didn't see because I was a, a range officer there, and after that, I said, hey, anybody got any thoughts or tips on these matches? And the biggest thing was that. You know, why are you here? What made you decide this match? It was, I want to go to World Shoot. You know, that was at least a third of the people. It's like, I want to go to World Shoot. And this, I want to go to Shotgun World Shoot with a few of them. And this is the only match I can use to qualify. This is a qualifying match. Okay. So I think that's what kept a few of the people there. But the fact that there was other things. And I think uh, Adam Maxwell is doing a, a great service to us. He was there at the match also. Um by picking a time when a it's good for that area so it would be terrible to have that match april the 1st in minnesota or wisconsin impossible <laughs> it'll be frozen um i wouldn't yeah i, I might work be, it if i could put, have the timer in a glove you'd uh, be dressed <laughs> like an alaskan yeah exactly um so ha choosing the right time of the year to have the match in that location 
uh, having a flavor, and this is one of the things I like about moving nationals around, it gets some local flavor into it because I've shot multi-gun here, there, and I don't know, I won't say everywhere. I haven't been able to make it to the far west yet. But um, Minnesota, Wisconsin area, there's a bunch of duck and geese hunters. So their stages are shotgun heavy, and they are hard shotgun shots. Uh, they, they put no shoots next to their targets, so you got to use hold off. Um, they put small targets that are heavy at distance. <laughs> you know, you're uh, 30, 40 yards away, and you got a six inch target that you got to knock over with a shotgun. Um, Better choke it up. Yeah, you, you that <laughs> you're basically shooting a, a iron sighted rifle at that point. Um, multi guns taken some hits in the last few years. You know, five five six ammo went up way faster than nine mil did. Uh, so that that kind of taken took a few hits for the multi gun part of it. Okay, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get us back on track that, a little bit because we kind of yeah, veered you. off the road. <laughs> um, so how with the so again carry optics would would be easy. Yeah, where you're where you're gonna run into is more of the iron sight nationals type of events where mm -hmm. it's production limited 10 revolver which when i say historically i'll say over the last three years the um the amount of people shooting those divisions has decreased dramatically yes so that's going to be your challenge not carry optics because there's more people I, there's still when it filled up, there was like 180 some odd people on the waiting list or 200 people on the waiting list. It was a, so that means there's at least 700 people wanting to shoot carry optics national. So that's easy. Yeah. We could but almost twice. Ex yeah, you could, you could, you could do a world shoot for carry optics. You know what I mean? Like a six day shoot, thousands of people. It's ridiculous. But what I'm getting at is what, what do you do for those divisions that aren't as popular and seem to be decreasing every year in popularity? Those That's going to be your challenge. So what are you going to do there? I think what we've been doing in the past is we do combine as many of those as we can. Um, there are a, a number of ideas that I have. I don't know that they will pan out. For one, ha having a proper separation because, you know, you don't want – First things first, if we're losing money on every Nationals, as a steward of the members' money, I can't, in my right mind, see voting and having four or five Nationals. Yeah, yeah so what? We may have to lose $50,000 on a Nationals. That's a lot of money. But if we have to do that three times, that's $150,000. Correct. So if we are having matches that are not filling, then we either need to combine them, look at our timeline, um, or look at what incentives that people have to, that, to get to that match and do that match. Um, there's also data that USPSA has about that area. Specific areas will have a lot more of a specific type of shooter. Um, carry Optics has been a huge, you know, takeover type of thing um but looking at and seeing you know is it a place that nobody wants to go to because we have a match that nobody else wants to go to that's going to affect the amount of, of people that are going to it does that make sense yeah um so 
we combine as many of them as we can so that we mitigate any losses. And if it, if we don't, if we only have one nationals that has every division, then you'll just have to pick one. Um, I don't ever see it going to one, just personally looking at things, but um, I could definitely see two nationals that, that make things fit in where you have high cap and low cap or iron sights and, uh, dots as separated. Um, I could see a, a number of mix of, I want to say mix ups, mashups where if we were to introduce an Ipsic mini rifle, that in PCC for many of the stages could be exactly the same. And that is another, you know, it, it is popular in countries where we're not allowed to have military cartridges because there are a number of cartridges in the uh, European Union that you can't, that's why 9x21 exists. We can't have military cartridges as civilians. Right. So that kind of negates most AR-15s and stuff like that. So they have mini rifle, which is a 22 caliber uh, carbine, you know, that is magazine fed, etc. Um, so maybe a mashup like that. Um, these, there, there are a lot of sports out there kind of getting their start and kind of seeing where that becomes and where it brings. Um, I've, I've heard talk of some guys wanting to host nationals that have talked about doing a multi-gun nationals and then a rifle nationals right after it. Um, there, there are matches out there that fill up and we can work with those matches in that area. For instance, have you heard of the clash bash? Yes. Yeah, AK? Yeah. Yeah. There's a couple of those it's out there. It's a communist there. match. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those matches just fill. Uh, you know, they, they may not have advanced level competitive shooters, but they're they're pulling numbers that we aren't. So maybe partner with them. And well, say, and, and, and I will say match. that what I've seen on social media about those matches is people have fun and enjoy them. I mean, mm -hmm. it's... It's why people join shooting competitions to shoot exactly. and have fun. If, so. if if we're not having fun, we're going to lose. You know that's that's sad. And there's a few other things that I would love to see, um, without getting too far, you know, down the rabbit hole. Um, there are a few folks out there running airsoft steel challenge matches now. We currently don't have a provision for that, so nothing goes on with that. I'm not saying we should have an airsoft world speed shooting championship. But uh, I think I'm hoping I'm getting the wrong, the right person. I think Lance Brasher, um, who's a also has a son named Lance Brasher Jr. Um, they have an indoor range in Indiana or Illinois. I shot with them at the World Speed Shooting Championship last year, and they're doing a pretty successful steel challenge airsoft competition. Okay, uh, the airsoft is something that can be done in a mall you know there are a lot of places where you just can't get a, a sh real shooting range in to save our lives where you're from is getting to be that way <laughs> you know it's it's very difficult to get a range that doesn't bother someone well nobody cares what you do inside your store that's why axe throwing is so popular you can just take an old warehouse and, and divide it up a little bit and hang out and throw axes that's so, the next division i hear they're going to put an optic on it and it'll be op axe optics. 
<laughs> that's a joke. that's that's a good idea. I need to buy stock in a company because I see that breaking a lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's gonna be a lot of warranty use on that one. Yeah, um, definitely need to use the vortex optics on those. What happened? Mm -hmm. It slipped. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, looking at ways to expand our our sources of income. I know there were things that were done in the past, and a lot of these things could be done again. Um. You know, we have USPSA logos on some ammo boxes. Uh, having the support of those ammunition companies is a huge thing. Nobody shoots more than competitive shooters. I will guarantee that. Maybe the Indian Army or something like that shoots more than the state of West Virginia does. But, <laughs> but when you start looking at the volume of ammunition that competition shooting uses up, uh, you know, using those relationships to grassroots market to all the other gun owners. You know, like I said before, everybody that I get in, that I, I, I ask their story, how did you get into competition shooting? Um, it's like, well, I didn't know it existed until, well, if you walked into every gun shop in America and there was a USPSA logo and a QR code, it would be harder and harder to miss that. Sure. Well, and I, and I do believe that, you know, you said QR code. Um, technology these days would definitely make it easier. But I mean, there's a, that, that would be much more complicated. That would require a lot more outreach and a lot more work on the board of directors, getting to the section coordinators, getting it down to the locals to be able to work with all the gun shops doing that. I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm just saying it right. would take a lot, a lot yeah, more coordination. I, I um, yeah. I will I will go out there and say this about myself. I'm one of the hardest working individuals that I know. The people that I've worked with at matches, I don't think there's any of them that's going to say that, you know, there's a whole lot of people that work harder than I do. So to some people, you know, the joke, the, the joke behind this is if you want something done, find a busy person because they are the ones that tend to do things and get things done. I mean, look at the amount of content you've put out this year. Uh, we were episode seventy-two what, last year. What year? What, what episode are you on now? I've doubled it. Yeah, at least. Oh, I, yeah. I thought you were two something. Yeah. I, I, well, I'm in season two, but I'm over yeah. 150 episodes. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you're putting in a lot of work. You know, could you imagine if we, if USPSA's podcast was that way? I'm not saying anything about the people that make USPSA's podcast. No, I know you're not. Uh, yeah, your your reach is much further. Um, so I'm, I'm not afraid of some hard work and there's some stuff that is not my job as president that I'm not afraid to do anything. Uh, I'll sweep the floors if it helps, you know, for those people that know me around the range, you might see me carrying a table or you might see me setting up a prize table. You might see me standing outside, kicking the brass off the stage. So nobody else gets there, uh, gets hurt on it. But yeah, I'll do whatever it takes. I will help whoever needs the help. Um, now, okay. Now, wanna, there's a couple of things I, that I think are, are pressing that people are going to want to know answers to, and there's a couple of them. So it's going to be a, a two-part question. Okay. One is, what are your thoughts on banning members? Like, when should it happen? And the second part is, for you, your, your belief, your opinion, when does a USPSA member cross the line when voicing their opinion? 
Those are really difficult questions. They are. The first That's thing I, that I want to say <laughs> is I don't think banning people is pertinent. Um, okay. I'm not I'm not gonna badmouth the board, but I'm going to put it this way. What did that solve? What did it fix? So I'm not even gonna name the people's names that got banned, but I will tell you, every person that got banned, it propelled their platform for a minimum of two to three months. It gave them legitimacy. Well, it, it, and it hasn't stopped. Since right. that happened, it hasn't stopped. And, and and that hasn't stopped. So I don't feel that it solved anything. Um, I, I get that. I'm sure they were hoping that it would, and I'm sure that they were extremely frustrated. Uh, yeah, it frustrates me when somebody asks, well, when's the last match you shot? I don't know. Um, when's the next match I'm going to shoot? Uh, should be May the was eighth or ninth or something like that. Uh, maybe it's the seventh. But anyway, yeah, I have a I have a match planned then. Um, but what it comes down to is, I don't th I think that banning people should be for cheating offenses and things that are. I'm gonna step back to some college and some legal terms: mala in se and mala prohibita. If it's not something that's specifically prohibited. And it's not something that's inherently evil at the time. So okay, I like that. Um, that, that that's kind of the litmus test we use in our justice system. So you know, a couple of those guys were asses. I mean, they they were rude. They when I mean that, I mean they showed their ass. They were very rude uh, to a number of people in USPSA about USPSA and to the USPSA membership. Um, that's what got them banned. Um, did they specifically break a, a rule? Well, it, it's a vaguely saying you won't do anything to discredit our sport. So uh, where do we put in what, what discredit is? And the next, the next question to me about when we start talking about banning people is how do we do that um, fairly and equally? <laughs> Scales of justice again. You know, I well, know when it's vague that, like that. Pretty when it's, big things. About yeah, when it's vague like that, it comes down to subjectivity. And I've been on the range, and I've been in private conversations where people said some very bad things about the things that some of our other people in this sport have done. Um, at what point do we, you know, we're, we are not a communist or fascist organization. So I don't think banning people is something that should be done for anything other than direct cheating um, if it's proven and and I also feel that the whole process of this is a little backward so if I'm the president somebody does something somebody cheats okay so let's just hypothetically just say you and me that way we know we're not pointing at anybody or using anybody okay so you go and you change something on a tablet okay okay so you've changed that and everybody did it and uh, all these guys put it on the internet and the first recourse is right now i as the president write a letter taking your membership okay so you're suspended now you have to prove that you didn't do it isn't that a little bit backward <laughs> well i mean if you yes Okay, so I, ideally, my, my thought of it would be is let's have an investigation. Let's all talk about this, get everything together, 
Is there an amicable solution to this? Is there a reason why you did it, etc.? And, you know, here's the proof. And if it's, you know, blatant proof that you did cheat, then goodbye. Um, this is your suspension. And, and when this is done, if you articulate exactly why you did it, exactly what happened, and I understand that a lot of people want anonymity to this, but we need to tell them what they're being suspended for, which I know that some of the suspensions that they're making a big deal about, you never told me what it was, you never told me when the suspension started, because it is vague whenever, so was, is it when the president wrote the letter? Is it when the board voted? Right. We have to be clear, concise, and transparent in that in order for these to do. Now, I know we had a board member, he did it, Frank Rizzi, made a motion to rescind some of that. Speaking from a code enforcement person, <laughs> when you rescind anything you did, it makes everything else questionable. Now, I, I agree with his sentiment. He, he did that to get on the record as getting his opinion out there uh, and to see if that would get traction. But if a board were to vote to unsuspend one of the members or whatever, that would have changed a lot of things. So... Um, I believe in being equal and fair. So the transparency level needs to be the same for everybody. The level that we're doing, you know, what, what, how long the suspensions are and stuff like that, there needs to be a specific statement of that. Um, I just don't feel that the suspensions we recently did solved anything. Um, I know at least three of these people personally. Okay. Okay. I know at least two of them and it didn't really have much of an effect on. The third one shot a lot of USPSA and he, he took it a lot more personally. Um, whether what he did or not was, I don't have any, when I say I know someone personally, it does not mean that they're giving me funneling information about I did this, I did that. So I don't know the exact case of which the board did, the information that they used to, to make their decision on. But okay. I do know that a couple of these people also shot other sports. One of them just, yeah, I'll just shoot IDPA. Another one wasn't shooting our sport a lot at the time anyway. So it, it didn't solve that. Um, so we didn't, we didn't in any way manage to take away their platform. We had a lot of, a lot of hubbub about nothing really getting solved. And I think that kind of thing hurt the sport. And I think being careful as we move forward and more transparent would help that. Okay. That, that kind of answer both of them. So, you know, if yeah. you're cheating, you're cheating. And I feel that you need, you need gone for that. I've watched a lot of people cheat over the years in one way or another uh, you know people that paste targets before the other one did oh I didn't mean to do that um, in IPSC it's a lot worse than it is in USPSA so we need to watch what they're doing for it and use other people's solutions to help our problems if that makes sense yeah now for the so you answered the part about banning members when should it happen and I agree with you Stealing, cheating, whatever, um, you know, that that to me 
If you did an intentional with malintent, then yes, that, that's a no-go. Um, the other part was, is there, what about those rude people? At what point do they, because look, we're, the one thing out there that, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm on, I see both sides. I'm, I, I won't say, I, I lean, I lean more towards, you know, there's, there are some issues here. Okay. I just wrote a, a long letter to the board voicing my displeasure. I've had conversations with two different board members. Like they called me immediately. It was very polite, mm -hmm. but in no uncertain words did I, you know, I didn't beat around the bush. I said, here's my issue. Here's, here's where they lie. Um, and I, you know, I got a call from two different board members immediately. I took them. I, I talked one of them lasted two hours. Okay. <laughs> so I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, the board's doing right. I'm not going to sit here and say the board's doing wrong. I'm saying I see some issues and I voice them in a different way because this podcast is not, this is not a news podcast. Right. So it's not about airing drama. It's all about the shooters and their got, stories and that stuff. You know what I mean? got a cool shirt, but neither one of us want to be shock jocks either. And that's Egg, yeah. I, I, from a few years ago, but it's the same thing that happens today. I'm neither Howard Stern <laughs> nor the Grease Man. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but the one thing I like to see the other side say a lot is we're all... Um, as members, we're all owners per se. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Well, at, at what point then do we cross that line of, look, you're unbecoming of a member of the organization? That's that's something that I feel needs done on a membership-wide. I've got to apparently turn something on or do something because my uh -oh. phone is eating battery faster than it is getting it. Uh. Sorry about the up close of my forehead. It says it's turning. That's up. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, yeah, I just got the I just got the ten percent alert, and that's not good. Oh. Um, <laughs> so that line is something that I feel is very very hard to draw. And if we are going to use that membership to expel uh, any of our members, that we need a specific line. Um. We need a litmus test to figure that out. You know, basically, this is the things that are not permissible. Um, you know, at, at what level? Because, you know, I could say McDonald's French fries suck all I want to. But I also can't stand there and slap the manager around because of it. You know? Well, well and you also can't make false allegations. Right. And, and there, there's a point where some of the things that some of these members have done... I feel would be and it should be better off served in a civil suit instead of publicly by banning them, if that makes sense. Okay. If you're going to make false allegations and you're going to do things that, um, because we are a for-profit corporation, um, I'm sorry, we are, we're a non-profit corporation, but we are a corporation that is based upon our membership and making profit, whether we, you know, not keep that money or not. They have attempted to cost us revenue. And if it can be proven that that is the truth, then there is a suit for it. Now, the next question is going to be in what case, in what state, to what level. 
Right. And we don't need to get into all that. That doesn't matter. But there, and I, I'm not saying anybody's made false allegations, but I agree with you then that if, if the board really feels that there were false allegations made or somebody feels like they were personally attacked, then you handle it legally. Right. I feel that in, in a couple of these cases, I feel that a cease and desist order uh, would be have far more effective. I, first things first, a lot of times a phone call about, hey, man, you know, let's talk about this. Yes. You know, um, would be more effective. And, and if that does not work, a, you know, a cease and desist order is the next thing. And if they do not cease and desist, then you continue with that. I, I know I have friends that have been in businesses that have had people that have done that, that just keep running their product down. Um, and either it, it, it comes out in the wash and goes away, or they've had to file, you know, those orders and the motions and deal with that on a legal level. So that's a so, never a, a tidy process either. I'll, I'll guarantee that part. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. But th that's the way to handle it. Now, all right, we're gonna we're gonna shift gears real quick. Okay. And rules. There have been a lot of rules changes in the last year and a half mm -hmm. since you know e even right before I'll say the last two years because yep. there were a bunch of changes right before um, the president was removed since mm -hmm. Mike left, uh, up and then uh, all the bylaws and stuff what are your thoughts on rules changes going forward i don't like them i've I, I i completely understand and agree with things that being needing being updated for instance you know the, the provisional division and the going forward with things like that um i feel that there needs to be kind of a moratorium whenever we put something into process but it seems like you know that was put in but we found a way around it. <laughs> um, or we go to do something and then we realize that maybe there was a certain change that shouldn't have been made or should have been written differently. So I feel that the, the bylaws changes, I feel, should have been voted on separately. Uh, this was a very hot topic last year. Every one of them was completely fresh in my mind, and I actually kind of wrote a thesis on each and every one of them at one point that I kind of covered in different places. But I feel that each one of those would have been better handled separately and voted on separately. I think a couple of them might not have passed if they were voted on separately instead of an entire body. Package, right. Uh, right. So I'm against most rule changes. Uh, I feel that there needs to be a, a very good effort made. And I, I at the same time, when we look at those rule changes, there was information put out. There was information from many of us received back by the board. I know they got mine because I, I asked. And at the same time, you know, for 37,000-ish, I've actually posted something about it this morning, 37,000-ish members, uh, a few hundred people just voiced their opinion. The rest of them just don't care because they want to shoot. Um, and, not, and they don't care. So... At what point do we base that decision off? Um, like I said, I, I'd like to have a moratorium of rule changes. I don't think that we need anything. For instance, if they change the weight limit on 
production, hypothetically. I think it should take the next season to take effect. And the reason I say that is... So, as most people know, I'm sponsored by Red Hill Tactical. So, uh, I've been friends with uh, Bob King for most of our adult lives. So, we've had some conversations regarding light-bearing holsters. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, when, when we changed and we added lights to be allowed in production, um, he worked till his fingers were hot making holsters to get them ready for nationals because everybody thought that was going to be a game changer. Now, what, we're three years into that? And I still have, now I have extra holsters. It wasn't really a game changer. It's cool. If you want to do it, do it. Uh, but everybody had that perception that immediately we have to go buy this new gear to do that. I think if we say, look, you know, we're going to make this change. We get your opinion on it. We put it into the change. I think that change needs to be the next season. You know, there needs to be a certain amount of time left for that. And I think a lot of that stuff has been tidied up in the rules. That was some of the rule changes about how long it should take to do certain things. And, uh, I think going forward, the things that have been going are going to happen, whether I'm president or not. Uh, I, I think that the changes that were needed to be made at the time that the board felt had to be made have been made. And I don't think anybody on that board is looking for more instant rule changes. Uh, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but it's my opinion and I'll do everything I can to make sure that there's no immediate change without a full uh, questioning of the shooters and members of USPSA. That doesn't mean just going to a few matches and saying this. You know, we last year we we talked a lot about doing surveys and USPSA um, used some of that technology. I'm not saying I I didn't really help them with it. Other than, you know, hey, this is out there and, and this is why I think they should do it. Um, but I think they found some benefit to that, and that's one of the things that I've seen that I'm proud of them for doing is they've pulled the uh, pulled the group, seen what people say. They're trying to go with the majority. Uh, when you have a 60-40 split, it's fairly, it's somewhat clear, but you still got to realize that, you know, 40-ish percent of the members still feel one way. You know, if it's a like a 90-10 split, that's a no-brainer. But when you start getting to a 50-50 split, you know, it, it makes some, it makes hard, hard decisions even harder. It, it does. Uh, the survey was definitely good. The thing I like about the survey is the survey's out there. It gave you an opportunity to provide the feedback. And if you didn't, then you missed your opportunity. That's right. on you. That's not on the board. It's not on your area director or your your buddy who shoots with you. That's right. that's all on you. You had your. I filled it out, um, and I could tell afterwards. You know, my answers were a little different than some other mm -hmm. people's. Yeah, but I'm okay with that. You know, what I'm uh, okay, and I'm okay with sixty forty split. Yeah, you know, everybody's getting their say so, and when. The dust settles. It is what it is, and and we move forward and we go with that. So, um, I'm okay with that. Now, Steve, I have one last question, but before I get there, okay, I want to see if there's anything more you or any topic we did not cover before I hit that last question. Oh goodness, have we pretty much covered everything you wanted to cover when coming in? I think so. Uh, okay. I think I pretty well organized that my thoughts you know, earlier today. Um, okay. 
uh, I will say that the, the biggest reason I'm running for USPSA president, and a lot of people have said, well, you know, you don't want that job. There's a lot of heat that comes with it, is that I, I feel that I am in a unique position because of my experience, because of where I live, because if I were, you know, if I were living in upstate New York or someplace where there was a, a lot higher income, that I would not even... I wouldn't be interested. If I were making $200,000 a year doing the things that I do, I wouldn't, you know, I'd be more worried about shooting matches. But I think because of, you know, my unique situation, the experience that I have, my ability to negotiate and get along with everybody, I think it puts me in, in the position to be the best person for USPSA president. Okay. Uh, somebody else may show up that, uh, that just wows me, but, uh, you know, that hasn't happened yet. Um, being able to move along and work together with someone that you don't agree with or don't agree with the way they're doing things and being able to communicate that to them in a rational manner, I feel is one of my strong suits. And I feel if that happens, we can get a lot further than we can um, of having to, you know, Having arguments, having, I'm not saying anybody on the board is doing this, but being able to work with the public and make sure that their ideas, their thoughts, and their concerns are met, I feel gives me an advantage. Okay. Now, you basically answered my last question. My, my last question was, uh, why should they vote for you? So you basically answered that just there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna change it to a different question. Okay. And and that is based on what you were just saying, and I when I was looking back, it was a question we had for everybody last year during the debate. Is this gonna be a I know it's basically a part-time position, but is it going to be your full-time job or are you gonna stay with where you're at now and do this on the side. Um, the side has varying meanings. I'm going to put it that way. I will okay. tell you that with the way things have went, the reduction in salary and the lack of benefits because it is a part-time position that I will not, this will not be my full-time and only gig. Okay. Um, basically, and I'm, I'm, I'm completely transparent. I make about 33 grand a year plus benefits. Uh, the benefits are health, dental, uh, and eye insurance. Uh, I also get all important 15 paid holidays a year. I'm 43 years old. Um, so, and I am diabetic. So <laughs> having good benefits may be very important to me. I have a broken tooth right now. Uh, <laughs> and I have a dentist appointment, but it seems like everything's months away anymore. Um, but with that and the fact that they just removed, and I don't mean they as those people. I mean that the president has just been potentially removed from that job. And if I were to be potentially removed from that job, I would be unemployed with no way to provide for my family. I mean, I would find ways, but no, I, 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 uh, I, I don't you. come into this position looking for a way to get myself in a worse position. Does that make sense? If it was, I'd yeah. just quit my job now and run matches. Uh, <laughs> not worry about it. <laughs> just sit on the farm and mow the grass. It would be beautiful and peaceful until I ran out of money for gas. <laughs> um, 
so, you know, I, I don't intend to put myself in a worse position. Um, will I, will I put 10 hours a week, 20 hours a week? I will put in as much time as I can possibly get into it. I love the shooting sports and I want to see them go. The biggest reason I'm personally feel that I'm so passionate about the shooting sports is I watch other countries lose their gun rights. We just lost a bunch of it happened with Canada. We're losing a bunch of USPSA shooters because of that. Uh, and when people want to arbitrate that, I say, look at every person along the edge that doesn't travel over here and leave a gun in the United States. Uh, I'm not going to name specific names, but I know a few people that, hey, they can't have guns in Canada. they got to drive an extra hour to shoot. They're just not going to. Those people I met at USPSA Area and National Championships. You know, it, it doesn't affect some police, some people like the guys that live straight across the, the river for, or the lake from Detroit and can just drive over. But it does affect those who are out there in the country a little bit that would have to go three or four hours. So that's affecting our sport. The handgun ownership is, you know, Steel Challenge is a worldwide organization, by the way. I know most of us never think of it that way. Um, but we're in South Africa. We're in Canada, uh, Guam. I'm trying to think, like, so there may be one in Brazil right now. But yeah, we're, it's worldwide. I think Czechoslovakia has one or the Czech Republic, something like that. Um, so yeah, it's a worldwide organization. So watching people lose their firearms rights, whether it's just a handgun right, which it's never just a handgun. It goes in deeper than that with our Second Amendment stuff. But um, whether it's a, the right to use a specific firearm or something like that is very scary to me. Um uh, I want to normalize this as a hobby. You know, nobody would ever think if they outlawed football, then no one would ever think they do that, but they're thinking about outlawing guns. And that's kind of one of the oldest, you know, target shooting is one of the oldest sports in our country. It predates any of that stuff. The parlor pistols where people shot, sat around parlors and shot little cap guns, they date back to 18 something. Um, so I want to normalize the ownership of. AR-15s, you know, Glock, Sigs, Berettas, you, you name it, and that type of firearm. And the best way to do that is through the competition shooting sports. Can't can't disagree with you there. So, well, Steve, I wanted to keep it under an hour and a half, so people, so I can get it out quickly, um, the audio portion, so people can listen to it during their commutes and stuff. Sounds great. Um, so I think this is probably a good kind time to, to call it. Listener questions pop up. Uh, I am too, but it is what it is. It's also a weeknight, so um, it's all good. And it's not on Instagram where people can just watch it quickly on their phone. So, uh, But that's all right. We'll put it out on the podcast. I'll get it out tomorrow, probably by noon, so people will have it available to them because I know um, June 15th is when we start voting, so it's – a little over, what, 45? Yeah, a little over 45 days away. We'll call it 50. So yep. So uh, I, I have filled out all my information for the USPSA website. I've submitted the job form that they have. Uh, it hasn't been posted yet. Correct. Uh, anybody that has any questions, they can go to stevemoneypenny.com. There's a number of ways to, to, to get a hold of me there. I should link you to most of my social media. I'll double-check everything's up-to-date 
tomorrow. I did have a Facebook hack um, on Easter Sunday, so that was painful. Um, or you can you know text me or call me at 304-266-1313. So I'd like to thank you a lot for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. I'm a regular listener of your show. Um, I've already answered the main questions, the, the, the first five a couple times. So, uh. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We can do that again another time. This was I just wanted to focus on the USPSA president thing, which is why I've got the your logo for that above you. So, if people do watch it on YouTube, then they'll see that and they'll know. So, awesome. All right. Thank, thanks again, and uh, hopefully we'll see you on the range this weekend. Uh, with a torn meniscus, it might be a little bit. I got to have surgery and then I'll be back out. I got to do more dry fire then I'll be back oh, out on the range. Yeah. Oh, so. Seated dry fire. There you go. <laughs> All right, Steve. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah.